The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmilzer. And welcome to 2022. For those of you that are listening, hopefully you've heard our forecasts on the market that we did on general on the AI and the AI space and ways, ways things are going. You know, one of the things I noticed on that one, um, if you if you listen to it, is we didn't really spend too much time on where we think artificial general intelligence is going. And maybe we will do an update on that on some of the more kind of forward-looking things that we don't necessarily cover in our research uh, and for those of you that are not aware, uh, Kathleen and myself, we're managing partners of an analyst firm called Cognolytica, which focuses on research advisory and education on four major markets. You know, the markets for cognitive technologies, which include AI. We obviously spend a lot of time on that. On automation, which helps support many of the goals for intelligence, but of course is not automation is not intelligence. Um, and then the third area is advanced analytics. We're trying to gain more information and knowledge and value from our data over time. So we talk about that. The fourth area is around digitization, which is taking the things that are not digital and making them digital. And we produce market intelligence and market research. And what we're going to do with you, we're going to do much more of this in 2022 and beyond, is we're going to share from you with you some of the things that we are seeing in these various markets as customers like yourselves on this podcast and vendors, maybe some of you are listening as well, as you're trying to get in and use these things, how are these markets changing so you can make use of this great technology? Exactly. You know, one thing that we said we really wanted to focus on with this podcast for 2022 was education, because big, a lot of feedback that we got from the podcasts that were listened to, you know, when we looked at data and also from our listeners as well who reach out to us. So thank you for reaching out. And everybody is always welcome to reach out to us. Info at Cognolytica.com. You can email us or you can reach out to us on LinkedIn or from our website as well. C-O-G-N-I-L-Y-T-I-C-A.com. But one thing that we that, you know, the feedback that we got was that there still is a lot of education that needs to be done in the market and especially on those four pillars that Ron talked about. So today we wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about the data labeling market. Cognolytica has been covering this market for many years, and we we know a lot that's going on, but also the market's changed, you know, from when we first started covering it a few years ago to now. Like everything else, it's evolving. And so we want to make sure that our listeners understand, you know, what is data labeling? Why is it needed? And then what are we seeing in the market and how has it changed in the past few years? So we have actually had a few podcasts already in our AI Today series in general in our podcast on data labeling over the past few years. We'll link to those and you can sort of hear over time what they are. But I know one of the things we didn't really do is dive into sort of like, what is really data labeling all about? What is it needed? And this is such a weird word for those people that may be new to AI, like labeling. Oh, what the heck is labeling? That's just such a weird word to use. And um, let's actually start with that. Like, what is data labeling and what is, what is what is it needed for and how does it relate to AI at all? Well, I mean, the, the basic idea with any sort of machine learning based system, which is what we are currently at, the stage of AI, you know, we haven't 
gone to the higher level problems. But right now we're just trying to teach machines how to learn and they need to learn from patterns. You know, they, they're trying to find patterns in data. So if I have a bunch of images and I want to uh, tell the machine that, well, uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of images and these images are cats. Before I can do that, you know, all a machine sees sees, quote unquote, with an image is it just has a grid of pixels and it just knows what the numeric value is. It says, well, this pixel at zero, zero, the top left corner has red of this number and green of this number and blue of this level maybe number. And maybe there's some other numbers that tell you intensity, but it doesn't know that that grid of images or some portion of it is a cat. So, so a person has to say, a human who knows what that image is, is like, ah, this image is a cat. And I will give you many, many, many other images where the grid of pixels are all different numbers and say, this grid of pixels is a cat. This grid of pixels is a cat. This grid of pixels is a cat. And over time, the machine will learn what the pattern is that represents cat. This is actually not even all of machine learning. This is a particular form of machine learning called supervised machine learning. And the name, the word supervised comes to the fact that the human is giving the machine supervision and telling the machine uh, what the data is. You can think of it as sort of learning by example. And, and so the humans have to provide good examples basically. Exactly. And anybody that's taken our CPMAI methodology and certification knows that we dive deep into supervised learning and other forms of machine learning as well. So if you're interested in that, you know, we encourage you to check that out. We're not going to spend too much time on today's podcast talking about that, but there are resources out there. Um, so, yeah. So like Ron said, you know, data labeling really applies to that supervised machine learning where it requires uh, training data that's already labeled so that the system is able to learn from that. There's, you know, different reasons why, why you need that, different examples that we'll get into. But like we said, you know, humans need to apply these labels because machines are not able to do that on their own. That would be, you know, that's the dream that people are, are looking for. But right now they are not able to do that. And so humans really need to apply that. And this is, uh, what's called ground truth. So, you know, ground truth labeling, that may or may not be a term that you have heard before, but basically it just refers to the use of humans and human teams and human verification and oversight over these primary functions of data labeling. So you need to make sure that a human with, that's the definition of ground truth labeling, that you need a human in, in the loop to verify and oversee this data labeling function. Yeah. And the reason why we call it ground truth is supposedly the, we have these higher levels of cognition. We have the brain. We have the general intelligence. So we know what is true and what's not true. And unless the human is lying or whatever, doesn't know what they're talking about, we're the gold standard. So if we say that that picture is a car, no machine can argue with us or should argue with us and say, no, that's not a car. Um, what it can do is it could, it could tell us what probability it agrees with us and might say, I don't think that's a car, but it can't challenge us. And that's the whole idea of, of ground truth labeling and data labeling and why the human is required. And this is what we used to call the, or we still call the Achilles heel of AI, but that we still do need humans in many cases because the machines don't really have the absolute truth and supposedly humans do. So when we talk about labeling, it's not actually one specific thing. Data 
labeling actually covers a bunch of different activities that humans need to do. And these humans are actually usually called annotators. They're going into uh, a, a machine, a file of some sort, and they're basically annotating. They're adding things to that file. So they may see an image, a JPEG, a PNG, whatever, or a text document or a PDF file or an audio file or a video file. And what the human is doing is they're adding additional information to that file because the computer can only see the bits. And, and I basically, we have like uh, six major categories of different kinds of annotations we can do. We could do annotations on images. We just mm -hmm. talked about that. That's always the popular example, cat images. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's actually a separate set of activities that need to happen for video because video implies motion and things changing over time and looking at one individual frame in the video is not the same as, as trying to figure out what's happening across the video, right? Then we also have a whole separate category of annotations that happen around text, you know, uh, documents, uh, conversations, uh, email, whatever, anything that represents text, we may need to annotate that. We have a separate set of tasks, which are related to text, but different on audio. So because it, audio and text would relate only if it's a human saying something, but you could have audio annotation for things like animal noises or construction noises or listening to an engine to hear if something different's happening, right? Or, or like knowing that like, oh, they just turned on the car and now they're accelerating. These are things you can tell from an audio file, have nothing to do with text, right? Then we have another category of annotation around trying to mix multiple sensor points of data together. It's called sensor fusion, especially in autonomous vehicles where I have a camera, I have radar, I have LIDAR, I have you know, ultrasonic you know, detectors, and they all together mean something. And an annotator to say, oh, when you see this, there's a person walking across the road. Stop driving, right? That should happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then the final category we have of is we could even annotate. A human can actually go into structured data, that is data that sits in databases with well-defined schema and say, oh, there's some relationship or there's some meaning, greater meaning behind maybe one or more sources of data combined together or multiple rows, and the human will annotate it. I know we did an overview, so we're going to dive a little bit deeper and talk about the specific needs for annotation in each of those data areas. Exactly. And we think it's important to give an overview of this because it's one thing to say, okay, well, this is this is you know what you need data labeling for, but then now dig a little bit deeper and say, okay, but what exactly does it mean? So in no particular order, we'll first start with image labeling needs. You know, some companies and use cases that can be around, I have an image and I need to identify what's in that image. You can do this in a bunch of different ways. So one can be, you know, bounding boxes and polygons. So I have a 2D image or a 3D image and I need to draw boxes around what's in the image. So I, you know, may just want to identify certain things in a catalog, for example, and I say, okay, this is a this is a motorcycle, this is a dog, this is a bicycle, this is a shoe, you know, different things. And I draw a bounding box around that. Uh, or you can have 3D images as well. So say, you know, cars on a road and you have to draw a 3D box around all of the cars that you see on the road. Another example could be polylines. So, you know, you if you have linear features, depends on that, uh, you know, want to make sure that 
you are labeling that correctly. And then, you know, there's also uh, image classification. So you may have a bunch of different things in an image and you need to identify what it is. So you say, okay, you know, in this image, I have a, a bunch of different cats or I have a bunch of different types of bicycles, uh, things like that. And then also within there, you know, you can have not suitable for work content, the NSFW content. You want to make sure that you're identifying all different things that, that go in that, you know, maybe, maybe you have depending on, you know, what it is, whatever classifies that could be gambling. It could be drugs. It could be, you know, drug paraphernalia, nudity, bad language, um, all of that. You want to make sure that you're labeling because you don't want that to slip through the cracks and get shown accidentally or whatever, when it's not supposed to. Right. And, you know, humans, you know, it's a computer can't tell if something needs to be moderated. Right. So uh, a human can can provide these annotations and say, well, if you see this kind of thing, it, sh- it should be flagged or tagged this way. We have some additional things we can do with images, not just, you know, finding things in images or classifying them or finding the lines that define boundaries between things. We might want to say, well, let's just describe what's in the image. So if I may have a, a like a picture of an outdoors experience, be like, OK, yes. There's a pic, there's a tent in this. So if we used uh, classification or, or identification, I'm say there's a tent here. But yes, you know, this also classifies as being outdoors. This classifies as recreation. This might classify as there's a sky. You know, maybe maybe this was taken in the fall. I might say this was in the autumn or the summer. These are sort of things that may be helpful if I'm, let's say, let's say I am building a catalog and I want to say, oh, here's all the kinds of things you might need for outdoors. Well, outdoors is not an object that appears in the image. Outdoors describes the scene. So we have this image annotation that can describe the scene and and things like that. The other things we may want to do with image annotation is we may need to segment things to say, yes, I understand there are cats or sheep or dog in this image, but I actually need to count them and just say, well, these are three distinct sheep because there are many actually computers are getting really, really good at this. I was actually recently at, at my pharmacy and now it's really cool that they can pour these pills on top of this like little camera and it would actually count them really fast. I was like, they're like, I think they were like putting um, the pills away back into their storage and needed to do an inventory while wow, they trusted it because they had poured it and it went 189 pills. And like, like a second. I'm like, that's really cool. That's computer vision. Yeah, that is really cool. <laughs> I saw it drawing little bounding boxes. Actually, I was doing polygons. I was drawing like around. I'm like, that's really cool. So machines are good at that. That's something called semantic and instance segmentation. And then the last thing that we may do with an image is maybe we're doing some sort of like facial recognition application. And what I need to do is not just have the image of the person and say, yes, there's a person here, but I may need to draw specific points on the image, like draw the points on their nose, their cheekbones, their mouth line, their eyes, their ears, because actually when facial rec- what facial recognition is doing is it's not really recognizing the face. What it's recognizing are these things called key points because everybody's key points are unique to them. Like the distance between my eyes and my nose and blah, blah, blah is very specific. And it doesn't relate to the fact that I may have facial hair or not, right? Uh, because those key points don't change uh, with facial. Whereas if I took a picture of myself and I shaved, the computer would think it's two completely different people, but the, but the key points. So anyway, long story short, these are all very distinct needs for image labeling. And we even gotten to the other data uh, types. So let's get into them now. <laughs> right. So, you know, we said image, just one, one image, but there's video as well. Video is, you know, very dynamic. It 
<laughs> has lots of different uh, things going on, lots of different frames. So this is going to, you know, you're going to want to have that labeling occur across the entire video. So you can do this a few different ways. You can either do frame by frame labeling. So you take each individual frame in your video and label that, or you can have a continuous stream labeling. Um, you know, that way you can identify objects as they come in and out of the frame. So maybe you have a car that's driving in and out of the frame or a person that's walking in and out of the frame. Also, you can have object tracking here. So again, you know, tracking those objects as they go in and out of frames or as they're just moving along the video. And then also in video labeling, there's going to be things like scenario, gesture, or action classification. So, you know, depending on if I'm moving, if I'm lifting a weight, for example, I'm lifting, you know, a barbell, it's going to show that I'm lifting it in different ways. Right. And because the idea is like, well, yes, you know, putting the boxes and tracking something is important, but I may want to say, well, what's happening in this video? It might be someone is opening a door and walking into the house. It might be someone is picking something off of a shelf. It might be, you know, someone has just collapsed on the floor or, or not even person. It could be like actions, you know, like, you know, you're, you're looking at um, some piece of machinery and it might be machine is moving. And then it might be like machine has stopped. Right. And maybe machine has stopped is something you may want to pay attention to. But if this is like some sort of a piece of equipment that's operating down in a mine, you know, two miles below, mile below the surface and no one's looking at it. That's the kind of thing. It's like, I don't need, I just need to know when things are not working well. This is stuff that you can do and you need to do with video because taking a frame of a moving piece of equipment doesn't mean anything because a frame, it'll just be standing still. So what you need is you need that continue, that continuousness over time. Video labeling, again, getting very good. So another set of, of labeling needs is around text. So let's now look, forget about the images and video. You know, um, one of the areas that data labeling has gotten really good at is for everything from any kind of natural language processing, chatbots, voice assistants, you know, tools to basically look at documents and emails and text of all sorts, machines can classify that. And so first we need a human in there to basically say, these are invoices, or this is a contract that's called uh, entity, you know, just annotating the classification, basically just classifying it. But I may need to go into it even further. I may need to do what's called entity extraction, where I may need to say, okay, this is a, an email, but this is the name of a person, or this is a date, or this is a location or something like that. That's called entity tagging. Or I might need to do a phrase where it's like, I'm disappointed in my customer service. Okay, well, that is a phrase that has to do with customer service or a phrase that has to do with happiness, sentiment, or may have, to, or maybe they mentioned a product like, you know, I just bought your blah, blah, blah purse online. Okay, there's some segments there. They talked about purse, that's an entity, but I just bought, that's like a phrase. Um, you know, we can, we can uh, annotate the parts of speech if we're trying to build a conversational assistant, for example. If I said, I went to the store and bought a book, that's a sentence. We learned that in elementary school. You could take it apart, say bought was the verb, a book was the direct object, I was the, you know, the, the noun and the, 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 the person, the pronoun. And so I could say, okay, I refers to the customer, the book refers to the product, bought refers to the action. And then I can do something with it if, if I'm doing cust automated customer support, chatbot, whatever. And I can even do things that's called entity linking and tagging. So it's like, I could say, okay, 
Cognolytica in this case, or whatever, refers to a company. And I actually have that company in some database somewhere. So you can actually connect it so that you can connect these different things together. Um, you know, this is actually text uh, labeling is where character and handwriting recognition comes in. It's a little bit of an overlap between image um, annotation and text annotation, but it has to do with text because we're trying to basically get it into text and deal with it as text, not deal with it as an image. So um, lots of great labeling needs there. Text, actually text labeling has been one of the first, lots of good tools out there to help you do that, but there's more. Oh, exactly. So, you know, we talked about audio labeling as well, where yes, maybe that can be a human talking, but you can also annotate, uh, you know, different animal noises. So, you know, is this a bird? Is this a dog barking? Different things like that. Or like we said with, you know, equipment, maybe if it's running and then it's top. So there's a lot of different things that you can use for, for audio labeling needs uh, that you would have. And you need to make sure that you're labeling it correctly. So, you know, also if you have maybe two people talking in this podcast, for example, we have two hosts. So we need to be able to identify each unique speaker and not just kind of, you know, blob it into one voice. Um, so there's a lot of different needs that you can have and, you know, different ways that you can label audio files as well. Yeah, we could even do things like have a human annotate, like a timestamp, like you just heard a chime on uh, Kathleen's machine. That was actually well-timed for this audio labeling need. And we could say, okay, at timestamp 19, I don't even know what the timestamp is, 19 minutes and 15 seconds, I heard a chime. And so later you can go in and the machine can identify those sorts of things. I like to go back to the example of uh, Hunt for Red October. It's a yeah. great scene in there. If you haven't seen it where they have this, the, the listening and they're listening, they hear a new kind of of propulsion device from the Soviets. Remember those guys uh, back in the day, pre-Cold War. Um, and basically what he, what he was, it was a human doing recognition, but machines are actually really good at that. Machines can now listen to uh, this sonar and and other audio waveforms, and it can just they can say this is a magma displacement, which is what they thought. This is a new submarine. This is an old submarine. This is a whale or whatever. And uh, they're getting really really good at that. Again, humans train the machines. Once the machines are trained, then they can do their thing. Now we had talked about a little bit. There's another category called sensor fusion, and sensor fusion is the idea that we may have multiple different sources of data that are relating to the same thing. So the sensors might be the camera or the the lidar, the laser directional thing, radar, you know, itself or ultrasonic. And if you're an autonomous vehicle and you're kind of cruising down the street, you have all these inputs coming in at the same time, and a machine needs to recognize something based on all of those inputs simultaneously. And that's what, so that's actually a very complicated set of, of annotation tasks because you're asking a human to look at something called point cloud data. And a point cloud is basically like a three-dimensional space with a bunch of dots in it that, that represent sort of the returns from the radar, from the LIDAR. A human, it's actually kind of hard for humans to look at point cloud data because they're not really images. They're kind of like, you know, detection points. And to say, oh, this this is what, what's coming back from this LIDAR is a car that's being reflected by the laser or a person or a tree or a sign or a building or a curb or whatever it is. And honestly, a lot of the data labeling work tasks have, have been around these autonomous vehicle needs because it is very hard um, for humans to do. It's very hard for machines. And it's very important because if we want these machines driving without a human behind the steering wheel, 
they better know what the hell's going on around them. Oh, yeah. Especially <laughs> if they're going to be driving more than like, you know, one mile an hour to be able <laughs> to identify everything. They have to be working really fast, like how a human would drive to make sure that it doesn't, you know, disrupt traffic flow and actually cause accidents because it's driving so crazy. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's also really important for data labeling as well. Yep. Um, last little area. This is actually not a very common use case for data labeling, but it still requires human annotation. And that is if you're looking at structured data, like data sitting in databases, you know, with well-defined field names and tons of rows and tons of records, like a CRM system, you know, with like every customer database record or like, you know, a ERP system with all your purchase history or something. You might say, why do I need annotation? I can just do a query and I can get all that stuff. Well, well, because sometimes you're trying to get more meaning from that data and you can train machine learning models on structured data. You could say, here's all my sensor data. We actually have this example in our CPMAI training and certification where we have NASA's sensor data from their engines for engine performance. And we're trying to basically determine whether or not the engine needs to be maintained. It's kind of a nice little exercise. Mm -hmm. And that comes down to basically pattern uh, anomaly detection, detecting whether the sensor data is anomalous. There's a lot of things you need to do. Um, now you can, you don't need any human and that is situation. There was no data labeling. We didn't say, okay, now go out and get a data labeler. You don't, you can actually train the machine by itself. But one of the things that humans can do is they can annotate and say, oh, this was a period where the end, where the um, airplane was accelerating, or this was a period where the um, airplane, you know, the, the, in this case, NASA airplanes, not rockets. This is when like the, the airplane entered a field of volcanic ash. Now, you won't know that from looking at the data, but a human can annotate it. And in the situations where that's valuable, then you would need humans to do that. So we can do annotation around multiple rows of data, or I can even mix and match data, just like sensor fusion from multiple sources and say, okay, if you see this data here and this data here and this data here, it means engine is not something, you know, or whatever, whatever the classification is. Not a very common need. And actually many of the labeling, labeling vendors don't even offer structured data, um, human, yeah, annotation. human annotation, but it's there. All right. Exactly. So we wanted to bring it up just so that you know that it's there, but of all of the use cases and examples and percentage of the market, it is an incredibly small part. So another area that we have seen, you know, really tremendous growth and we expect it to continue uh, is this area of synthetic data. So synthetic data, sometimes you, you know, it's, it's uh, generated data and sometimes it's, you just can't get the data that you need. It can be incredibly difficult to collect this in the real world. This could be for a variety of different reasons. Sometimes it's just, you know, um, say for example, you are trying to generate uh, items on a store shelf with different people walking by. So you want to make sure that you have uh, people of all different heights, kids and adults and moving in different ways, different gestures. And then you want to have different items on your store shelves as well. That's just really hard to create with humans doing that and, you know, restocking the shelves, making sure you have different things. So that's an example where you may want to use synthetic data that you're generating this data so that it can, um, you know, you can still get the data that you need, but you don't have to actually have that data uh, for real. Right. Because again, we're trying to train a, mach a machine to spot the patterns. Like if I'm trying to say, find a situation where a human is pulling something off of a shelf, 
And I need to recognize the action, which is human is pulling something off the shelf, but I also need to recognize the product. They just pulled cornflakes off the shelf or they just picked, you know, pulled some shampoo off the shelf. Well, it's, it's like, as Kathleen mentioned, almost impossible to have ground truth data, right? To have real world data that will support it. Cause I would have to have like literally like probably years of video footage to make that work. But I can have a machine generate that. Now here we're talking about images and video data, but machines can generate all kinds of data. They can generate text data, they can generate audio data, structured data, sensor fusion data. Now now the, the, the challenge here is of course that, that we can't have any weird biases in the data and the data does need to represent the real world because you don't wanna be training a system only using uh, synthetic data and then have an autonomous vehicle run off the road because you didn't generate the data in that situation where there was a road right next to a cliff. And I guess the car never saw that situation. I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to go straight right yeah, off the cliff. <laughs> curve went to the left. There was no line marking or whatever. So um, synthetic data is really hot because it allows us to solve a lot of problems in training data. But, um, you know, it's, it's useful in the situations where it's useful. Now, a couple of things to note. So hopefully now you, our listeners, know all about what data labeling is and, and where we need to use it and all the different data types. Um, I, we want to note that not all data labeling, this is done by humans. Remember, you know, machines can't do this for themselves. Humans need to provide the ground truth. We need to say, yes, this is a cat. Yes, this was Kathleen speaking from this time to this time. You know, yes, this was the engine shutting down. And the machines say, thank you very much, you know, human master, I will learn from you and I will will train my system. But not all data labeling tasks are easy. And this is sort of what um, separates, I guess, some of the, the, the vendors in the market. There are some tasks which are really easy, like for images, you know, creating a box around something and classifying maybe what's what's in the image. But there are some tasks that are really difficult. Like, you know, let's say I have like, yes, there's a person in this image, but I need to know what brand, what, you know, what material it's made out of. You know, maybe I need to know, is it an open, you know, all sorts of characteristics about it, or maybe it's a video and it's like, I need to know that, no, it's a very specific kind of action. Like if this is like a surgery that's happening, I mean, I could see surgeries happening, but maybe I need to know specifically what kind of surgery, what's happening, what part of the body. I need to know very specific body parts. Or like, you know, I have an object that's in a video frame. It's one thing to like find out where that object is moving. It's another thing to say that the object disappeared from the frame and came back into the frame, this idea of persistence. Now this can still be done. Humans are good at this. We're really good. I can look at, if I have knowledge, right? So if I know my purses, then I can tell you <laughs> what that is, right? If I don't know, have the knowledge, I can't do it. Uh, so this is what separates the... Um, the vendors is this sort of like the easier tasks, which are becoming more and more automated, by the way, that's one thing we'll talk about. The easier tasks are becoming automated, more AI and automation, but the harder tasks are still requiring uh, human labor. Exactly. It separates the vendors. And then it also, you know, um, from an end user standpoint, it can help you say, okay, what company do I need? How do I identify this? You know, can I go with a crowdsourced uh, option or, or do I, you know, need to have people that actually have domain expertise and choose a different option. So knowing what's an easier task, what's a more sophisticated or complicated task helps you with that as well. Now, you know, we had, so hopefully now you have a general understanding of data labeling, the different types of data labeling that you can have. And so we wanted to spend just a little bit of time talking about some of the major data labeling use cases that we've seen as we've covered this market. Uh, Because 
you know, there there's many different use cases, but the general themes and, and you know, major data labeling use cases, we wanted to spend a little bit of time discussing. So obviously, I, I think that, you know, from what we've shared in the podcast, autonomous systems uh, with sensor fusion, that, you know, autonomous vehicles and autonomous systems really need to, you know, it's a great data labeling use case. They obviously need this in order to work. Otherwise, they would not work. Right. Very heavy users of, of sensor fusion, annotation, video annotation, image annotation, maybe audio in their text, throw them all in, right? Right. Uh, like definitely needed or it would not be possible. And, and you can make a, make a case for the fact that a lot of the, the vendors that are in the space really, really grew because of that, of that demand from the autonomous uh, vendor space. Now, another big space that has driven data labeling demand is all the conversational systems. So when you talk to your voice assistant or you do a chat bot or any sort of, you know, tech text to audio thing. We needed humans in there to do that annotation, to, to let the systems know what your intent is and what you're trying to do. Now, of course, over time, as you train the systems, they get better and better at it, but there's a lot of data labeling in there. It's still trying to do moderate content moderation. You know, you still hear a lot mm-hmm. of data. They're trying to get AI systems to do it, but they're not the best. So we're still working on that. You know, a lot of, uh, we've seen a lot of demand uh, for data labeling in recommendation systems or even on e- retail and e-commerce systems. We talked a little bit about retail and, and e-commerce where everything from categorizing what's in the image to autonomous retail applications to automatically, you know, doing, you know, product, uh, you know, trying to figure out what the scene is for various things. You know, there's lots of demand for, for uh, image and video and text annotation across that, that space. But there's lots of other places that are demanding data labeling as well. Yeah. I mean, and these are just some of the major use cases. There's many more, but like think about surveillance and security. You know, you need to be able to understand what's in the image. So you're going to have image, you're going to have video, maybe audio files as well that all need to be labeled. Uh, And if you think about how that changes so quickly, you know, I mean, with surveillance, depending on when you have, you know, surveillance cameras running and security cameras running, how how much you need there. And then we've seen, you know, medical imaging. It's a really uh, popular use case as well. So, but we've seen, you know, healthcare applications. They're really making use of image and video annotation to help with a wide range of different, you know, diagnostic support examples. We've shared, uh, you know, radiology images in many of our podcasts as an example. So we're seeing it in the medical field as well. And then with, you know, some, some, uh, maybe, uh, areas you might not expect it, but we have been seeing it is with agriculture. You know, if you think about drone aerial imagery, so maybe you want to plot out your fields, you want to plot out different areas. Um, and be able to to see that. So, you know, that also with autonomous farming as well, with machinery, picking devices, all of that, you're going to need to have image, image uh, labeled, you're going to have videos, text, maybe you're even going to have audios or sensors, depending on, you know, with your um, autonomous farming equipment. So lots of different areas that need data labeling there. Yeah, geospatial, tons of stuff with satellite imagery, so, so uh, 
we'll talk a little about this shortly, but you know, there's tons of vendors in this space. This is actually a remarkably fast growing market. When we started covering this, we actually didn't think it was that hot of a market. When we started, so maybe like a dozen folks in the space were like, okay, we're just going to work our way up our little infrastructure, our little you know stack of vendors. And we're going to start at the bottom and we're going to work our way to the top. But wow, this became a hot space. And you know, generally there's like five major categories of vendors in the space. Image annotation actually really started out of the crowdsource space. Amazon had this thing called Mechanical Turk way back in 2005. And when you need humans to do stuff like really simple tasks, they had this thing called Mechanical Turk. And a lot of data annotation was either using that or using other crowdsource vendors that were in that space at the time. That was actually like the way, just get random people to do small <laughs> tasks, you know, have a good management and for, you know, so that if you have disagreement, you can resolve it. But basically just having random people. Now, of course, as we needed more the complicated stuff like you know medical imagery and you know you know language Thai language annotation you, you can't trust the crowds for that you need more domain specific knowledge the whole space of what's called managed labeling service providers came out there's actually like dozens if not hundreds now of business process outsourcing and services firms in like every country in the world but of course you know you have you have folks in in India and Vietnam and Philippines across the United States and South America and you know Europe and different regions all doing annotation you know labeling images text audio all that stuff right then we actually now the, the 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 biggest most robust part of this market are what we're calling the full service solution space. Now these are vendors that have that are not those hundreds of BPOs. There are actually well-funded startups and in some cases public companies that are providing like this full stack where they have a technology solution, they have a they have a, an underpinning for uh, managing the life cycle of data labeling. They may have data labeling services, but you can also bring your own services or you can have multiple different managed labeling services, maybe one group to do text, another group to do video, or maybe you have text, but you split it out, you know, somebody's in this language or somebody's in the legal domain and you have another one for the medical domain or a different language. And you can use one provider rather than dealing with like 20 different providers, you can deal with one. And, and there's tons of companies in that space growing. The next categories would call the labeling software providers. There are companies that are now providing software, either open source, lots of those, uh, you know, or startups providing, you know, on-premise, so you don't need to be working in the cloud or cloud-based software as a service to do things like you send the images, raw images or text or whatever, and they send back the labeled images and the labeled text. It's kind of neat. There may be a human in the loop. Sometimes there isn't. A lot of these companies now are, are moving to automate and to use AI for a lot of this automated bounding box stuff. Kind of interesting, cool, or any of the automated stuff. And then the final category is like we talked about earlier, there's a bunch of vendors who are just focusing on synthetic data, generating image, text, video, audio, um, you know, point cloud, <laughs> you know, data, uh, because we, we're missing that data and you can get that either from, from these vendors. So these are all fast growing market segments. And we're going to just provide a quick overview of kind of how these markets are changing, but there's a lot more detail in our research. So we're not going to bore you with all that, or, or you may not be bored, but we're not going to spend a lot of our time on that in this podcast. Exactly. And like we said, you know, this this landscape really just continues to grow at a remarkable rate. When we first covered this, there was, 
you know, just a handful, like Ron said, that we actually covered a handful of vendors in the space. In our most recent snapshot that was published in December of 2021. So if you're listening to this podcast later and there's additional snapshots out, know that we're specifically talking about the one from December 2021. We tracked 133 vendors in that snapshot, which represented a growth of over 100 vendors since our last snapshot that we had published prior to the December 2021 snapshot. So, you know, just think about that. 133 vendors that we covered, lots of vendors in this space, lots of vendors. Um, Also, you know, because it is a very hot market, we said, all right, what what's the market size? Where do we think it is now? And where do we think it's growing? in 2021, it was a $4.18 billion market, the data labeling solution. And we're expecting it to grow to $21.98 billion by the end of 2027. So lots of opportunity in here, lots of growth um, as well. Yeah, it's over it's seven times. The market's going to grow by 700% uh, over the next year. And that, that goes to the point like, well, aren't isn't data labeling going to go away as a need? Looks like not anytime soon. And the fact that so many new vendors are getting into it, is, is a good sign. I mean, obviously, if the market was saturated, we wouldn't have 100 new vendors since our last coverage area. And by the way, uh, we're, we're, doing, we're working on our next snapshot. There's like another 20 vendors. We're, we're added between this last snapshot and the next one. So it continues to grow. Um, the, the fastest rate of growth is happening in the managed data labeling space where we have a lot of these business process outsourcing firms. You know, each of them maybe not doing a ton of business, you know, maybe like you know, one to $10 million maybe, but like, there's a lot of them (laughs) and they're all like doing very specialized things. You know, they're putting a little pressure on the market for pricing, but you know, there's lots of those folks in that space. The, the software, the data labeling tools and software market that is growing really fast. You know, um, with, there's over 42 vendors in that space. I bet you, you know, by the time we cover this another year is probably may, may double so much activity going on there because of things like automated labeling and labeling as a service and all that sort of stuff. Labeling ops, there's all this ops stuff going on. Yeah, there is. <laughs> uh, the full service data labeling segment, that's the area that's gotten the most venture capital funding, a lot of pr- public companies there. We are still seeing very robust, these companies are obviously growing, right? But the thing that, that's different in that space is that they're growing and consolidating because it's not that it's a winner take all market, but like that when you offer the full stack, the full service with the platform, you want to keep your customers. You don't want to be like, okay, I'm going to work with you for this one project, but then they're going to work with someone else for the next. One of the things I'm going to share from our that we wouldn't necessarily share with others. So listening in, you know, there are some companies like Walmart that do business with a lot of these data labeling firms. Oh yeah. And so it's like, you know, you know, if you're a full service firm, you kind of, you kind of want to keep your customer to yourself. So it's got robust growth, but this is an area that we're starting to see uh, consolidation activity. I mean, the fastest, you know, market that's growing the fastest is the synthetic data labeling space. It's tiny, you know, it's, it's easy to grow fast when you start from small numbers, but um, it is a really great opportunity. And I think there is um, because of the way that we see machine learning going with zero shot learning and that sort of stuff. Synthetic data really is um, a hot market. It might be an area where maybe some of these full service vendors who are looking to, you know, grow their business and expand out uh, may start expanding there. So it is really pretty hot. We have a couple more key insights, um, but then we'll sort of share how to find out more about all this research. Sure. So, you know, a few additional insights that we had is, so we said, all right, you know, we looked at all, all the different market areas, all the different use cases, and we said, 
uh, you know, where is this going? And like, like we said, you know, we're expecting this market to be massive by 2027. Also by 2027, we are, uh, you know, seeing, we're, we're projecting that over 50% of current labeling tasks will be automated or performed by AI systems. So as we continue to move forward and accelerate more and more of the, some of those, you know, labeling tasks will be automated. And then one thing that was very unique and different in this snapshot versus other snapshots that we've put out is that we have included decision factors and guided questions because not all vendors are created the same and not all, you know, companies and use cases are the same either. So to say, oh, okay, you know, these are some of the leaders in the space or that really, what what does that mean? You know, I may have, uh, you know, text uh, needs, text data labeling needs. And some of these vendors that you're recommending to me are really great at audio imaging or I mean, uh, video imaging. And it's like, okay, you know, that's great, but it's an apples to orange comparison. So we want to make sure that, uh, end users and vendors are really making the most of these connections and, fitting your specific needs. So within this snapshot, we have provided decision factors and guided questions that you can ask when you're evaluating different vendors to make sure that you're selecting the best vendor for your specific needs, which is incredibly important. And we have seen far too often that there's just a mismatch with uh, what vendor you actually selected because you weren't asking the right questions and the vendor wasn't asking the right questions to the potential customer as well, which helps cause those mismatches that we are trying to avoid. Yeah. So as mentioned, if you're interested in learning more, we will link to the most recent snapshot in the uh, podcast show notes, or you can go to cognolytica.com, C-O-G-N-I-L-Y-T-I-C-A.com to get the latest copy of our research snapshot. It is an analyst report. It's not free. It's sorry, guys, but but it is available if you're interested in diving deeper. We we actually, um, it's a pretty robust report. We do full market sizing. We also have all the vendor profiles of all the key uh, established vendors in the space. We spend a lot. We, of course, have the decision factors and the guided questions. So if you are making a decision here, we will tell you things that you need to know there. This is not meant to be a commercial for that. So just if you're interested, go to cognolytica.com and you'll find it. Uh, if you're a Cog Access subscriber, we have this thing called a Cog Access, which provides just an, a subscription to all of our research market intelligence that we do. Then you can, this is obviously included in that. If you're interested in learning more about Cog Access, please do reach out to us, uh, info at cognolytica, C-O-G-N-I-L-Y-T-I-C-A. But then again, uh, dot com. But uh, but then again, you guys are listening to our AI Today podcast, so just stay tuned. We're going to be sharing some more insights. Every time we go into a new market, we do an update. We're going to share with you those insights, and this will be a good way of, of getting a taste of how these AI markets are growing. Exactly. So hopefully this has given you a good overview of data labeling, the market, the different, you know, use cases that the different types of data labeling that there are, and then different use cases and different industries that are really taking advantage of data labeling. So we hope that you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. As always, we love listening. We love hearing from our listeners. So make sure to reach out if you have any feedback for us, or if you're interested in additional topics and coverage areas, we always do love to hear from you. And we will also link to all of the, you know, related articles and additional podcasts in the show notes as well. We also do love to hear from our listeners on 
you know, when you rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. So please do also make sure to do that. We love when you rate us and help so that, you know, spread the word so that other people can find out about our podcast as well. So thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you at the next episode. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyrighted by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.